Uh, we welcome everybody today, tonight for our Africa Seminar Series at the Center of African Studies. We are very pleased to welcome uh, artist Wusan Koma. They came all the way from Germany to be here with us tonight, uh, as well as is uh, in London also because of the opening of his exhibition at the October Gallery. We're very uh, grateful to the October Gallery <coughs> as well to give us this opportunity to host uh, um, a talk by Wusan here at SOAS. Um, we are also very pleased to have uh, Chris Spring, the curator of the Africa Collection at the British Museum, to be here with us uh, to um, chair and, and have the in-conversation uh, with Owusu. Uh, Chris is very um, knowledgeable on the, about the work of Owusu, that's why he was sort of selected to be the chair tonight. Um, and I would just leave it to them. It would be uh, in conversation, so fairly informal, so we let them sort of do some discussion. And then we do welcome a lot of participation from the audience. Uh, we understand that a lot of people are very well informed about um, the subject, so we really welcome uh, um, all your comments and, and feedback. Thank you very much uh, to both of you, so I'll leave it with you. Um, Thank, you. Thank you. Great pleasure. Well, hi, everybody. Hello. Um, Hello. Good um, and I don't know how many people have been to see the exhibition in the October Gallery. How many people here? So that you get an idea. Of, <laughs> I get an idea of how many people have seen Horses' latest fabulous work, and it is fabulous. So I do urge you to go along. It's a great exhibition, but also it's a it's a wonderful gallery. And uh, we were talking about we talked about it together over the last few days. Yes. Uh, and it's a unique place, a wonderful place where one can talk with one another, with artists in a really relaxed kind of way. And there's no, nowhere else, I think, uh, in the world, let alone London, where that kind of mixture of yeah. uh, uh, good food, art, conversation, often music, theatre, and yeah. so on. It's fabulous. So thank you, Chile, for that. Um, and thank you, Usan Koma, for uh, letting me talk to you and um, having kind of uh, a number of conversations over the last yeah. few days. And um, I guess probably one of the first things that people here might be interested to uh, know about is the idea, this idea of the microcron. It is a symbol, and the Wusan Koma, obviously, in, in many ways, is kind of famous for these wonderful, initially Akan-inspired symbols, but then all sorts of other symbols, and we'll talk about those later, of his, often of his own inspiration, but also drawn from other um, parts of the scientific and the natural world. Um, but the microcron, in particular, is something that you developed over the last few years, I suppose, mm. and uh, it is a, a circle, but it's also a number of circles. Obviously, the circle is, in many cultures, a symbol of infinity, and there is that element to it. But Oussan Koma also wrote a wonderful uh, um, essay in connection with this exhibition. So I'd just like to read to you... Um, he talks about the microcons at a number of points during this essay. But let me just start by reading a couple of extracts, uh, which will give you a flavor, I think, of, of what it might mean. 
Microcon means connecting our reality as spiritual, immortal beings to the infinity and eternity of all things, from the microscopic to the macroscopic, from the ultra-microscopic to the ultra-macroscopic. He also says, microcon is the symbol of unconditional love. So how we marry those two things, maybe in our conversation we'll begin to think about that. Because mm -hmm. I think about the very, very distant universes, and then also that other universe inside us. So it's almost as if we're kind of midway between those mm. two universes. I don't know, does that begin to, to describe oh. something that's very <clears throat> well, complex? Well, first of all, um, I think I, I made a mistake there in my essay. Mm -hmm. It is not from the macroscopic to the <coughs> ultra-macroscopic. It is from the microscopic to the macroscopic, mm. up to the macrocosmic, that's right, to the ultra macrocosmic. And so there we, we begin. Uh, how can your question was, how can we bring the two together mm. that scientifically seen? Uh, microcosm and macrocosmic to be uh, related to uh, 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 unconditional love. Mm. Well, first of all, quantum physics has made it clear today that, or should I say, some quantum physicists are trying to prove that actually nothing really does exist. I mean, proven scientifically, uh, the atom is only 99.9% matter. So almost empty. So the question is, how is it possible that something that is not almost there mm. manifests all that we see around us and even our own bodies. And there is another interesting a theory, proven theory, that uh, is called the measurement, measurement problem. The measurement problem is this. An atom is spread all over the place until a conscious being looks at it. So the act of observation manifests all that we see. And now the question is what brought about all that exists? Well, the answer is <clears throat> nothing really exists as we've seen scientifically. So, my very short theory is this, that everything is consciousness. 
in some quantum physics even mm -hmm. say consciousness is the ground of being. Mm -hmm. Consciousness is existence. So that I say consciousness haven't manifested space, mm. impacted it with energy, creating all that is. So that you are consciousness, an expression of that. I am consciousness. And so together we manifest our reality. So that brings together the uh, 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 theory of the microchrome, mm -hmm. the philosophy of it, and the scientific fact of an ever-expanding universe mm -hmm. together. Mm. You bring together science and art in the most beautiful way in your that work. Is, that is what is happening today. Mm -hmm. Science and spirituality is coming together. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> spirituality is, the art lies in between. Art is a science and is also a spiritual process or discipline. And you use a lot of philosophical uh, thought, I think. In some ways it's a little bit like Descartes' idea of I think therefore I am. And, and you are also the idea of a very tiny particle like an electron or an atom. Actually, until you kind of view it, it, it doesn't have an existence. Yes, actually that is how it all began. Mm -hmm. That which is called the radiant particle. And this first particle, as we also see in um, um, sacred geometry, yeah. the first point that is used to draw the circle, mm -hmm. It's symbolic of this fact that the first radiant particle moving at infinite speed manifested all things. Mm -hmm. So that we all come from one particle. And this particle moving at infinite speed gives you the impression of many and the infinite. Mm -hmm. So reality is one. Existence is one. Coming out of consciousness. Because there is a sea of consciousness. And out of it mm. came the manifestation of matter. Mm -hmm. So the radiant particle being the first light, the first energy, manifestation of energy. Mm -hmm. And in a way, you kind of, you, you make that kind of visual explanation through mm. your <coughs> paintings of some of these ideas. The one that we see projected in the background is one of your more recent paintings, yes. uh, in which you flooded the canvas, in this case, with a wonderful indigo. And we were talking about, when I was in Morocco just yes. before Christmas, I discovered mm. this incredible blue. And yeah kind of reminded me of this and painted on the back of the canvas as well so the whole canvas is kind of flooded um, and we were talking earlier about how this kind of relates to kente cloth we, we yes. think of your work a lot in in the context of the famous adinkra 
symbols yes. uh, from the Ashanti mm. um, and these bodies that almost have them like kind of Nicorette patches on I sort of feel that wisdom from the Adinkra symbol mm -hmm. is kind of being absorbed into that's how mm -hmm. I feel it being yeah. absorbed almost into your figures and there's no sh there's in a sense no light or shadow but beings who are kind of maybe beginning to get towards the microcon or beginning to understand the microcon um, in a number of the pictures in the October gallery there's a figure contemplating the microcon yes. either reaching out almost to touch it or it's almost as if it's kind of holding they're holding the microcon in their hands I get a feeling throughout your work that it, mm. that it is a journey and that I know you talk at one point in your essay about it's all there within us, but we just, in a sense, we have to kind of let go of some things. We have, we have to experience yes. it. Yes. You see, um, sometimes I get nervous when I talk about it myself. This morning I had an interview and I talked about love. So I, I had the impression that <laughs> these uh, 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 people from the television were a little bit taken aback. But it's the truth. There is nothing we can do about it. <laughs> you see, we can cry, Mama, I don't want to hear this. But that's the truth. We are consciousness. There is nothing we can do about it. We are spiritual beings. There is nothing we can do about it. This, you can make your, beautiful, your, your body as beautiful as you want to. It gets old. And we'd lay it down. We don't want to have anything to do with it. As our spirits leave our bodies, as consciousness goes into that great and mighty and all encompassing knowing of all things. Because we are it. And so we make that journey, as you're saying, from a larger knowing mm. and then we come to this lim space of limitation to have an experience which also I wrote in Asia about we call the human experience try to go about in limitation and then try to, trying to express our real being that is love that unconditional love that manifested its all because consciousness in its highest sense mm -hmm. is unconditional love. Mm -hmm. It is love that creates all that harmony. No one wants to be in a disharmonic relationship. Is there anyone who wants to be in an unharmonious <laughs> relationship? No one. And it is it is it is it is it is joining someone of the other gender that brings about life. You can't bring another human into being on your own. You have to make love. You have to live with someone in harmony to bring about it. So that 
ultra-macroscopic reality, we manifest this also here in this uh, 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 dimension of limitation. It is all about love. And then the microcron is also the uh, 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 um, symbol of abundance. Mm -hmm. Because, you see, from the grain of corn <coughs> or sand, we come to our planet, and then our solar system, and then our Milky Way galaxy full of billions of stars, all of them having planets around them. And then we have these trillions of galaxies mm -hmm. in one universe. And then there are infinite number of universes. Mm -hmm. And I'll just think about it. Each ball of colored light in there mm -hmm. contains infinite universes. And it's an expanding episode of existence and reality. And it goes on and on. This is just the beginning. And that is exciting for me. That is wonderful. That existence and reality is full of abundance. If there should be scarcity, then we have created it artificially. This is the message of microchrome. It is a message of hope. It is a major. Uh, it's a message of abundance in our near future because we are going to manifest it. We will come to the real that realization. You also say in your essay that this is the age of the feminine. This may is I, the age of the I, feminine. May I quote you? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how many men there are. Only about three in this audience. Anyway, this is a great time. <laughs> This is the age of the feminine. I, as an artist, have vested myself with the burden of responsibility to be amongst those that guide humanity on the path of rediscovering their femininity. It is not the feminine of the body that they should discover, but more the feminine of the spirit. So in that, you're talking about people, men, discovering the feminine in themselves? In them, yes. Women not so much discovering the, the masculine in themselves, I think. Oh, well, they, they, they do, because I think as spirit beings, we are both. We are feminine and masculine. Yeah. Because spiritually, uh, 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 that which we call God or the Creator is both mm. feminine and masculine. And in a, in a, in a, in a yin and yang, yeah, yeah, and, and so on, uh, the negative and positive, it's all one thing. Mm -hmm. Light and darkness, the void is one thing, because out of the void came that light, that manifested all material things. Mm -hmm. So, the feminine. Let's look at how Earth, it's a feminine entity, it gives us life and protects us somehow. Uh, the feminine in us is that sharing attitude 
that cooperation, togetherness, it is not that which we call the manifestation, so much the manifestation of the ego. Mm. <clears throat> but a caring humanity who will, in the near future, eschew wars. I don't think we all want wars, but it's this masculine spirit that has been giving us all these wars over the years. Men go to war, women not. Because they have, they, they, they are the manifestation of that feminine spirit in the flesh. So, I think this is an age where our feminine selves, the love for nature, the earth, and humanity will be more manifested. When we were talking about this painting, you were saying that it had, we think about your paintings often in the context of that great Adinkra tradition, in particular Adinkra cloth uh, amongst the Ashanti in yeah. Ghana, uh, and how each of those symbols encapsulates <coughs> a certain kind of element of wisdom, yes. often. Um, uh, and that you've added to those symbols yourself. but. I was interested to hear you talking about another kind of cloth from Ghana, Kenti cloth, yes. and then very interested to talk that uh, your mother was a great uh, textile uh, uh, dealer. Trader, dealer. Trader. Yeah. Trader in textiles. In these wonderful narrow strip cloths, but also in printed cloth like these? In printed cloth, more so in printed cloth, which was imported. There are two very interesting traditions in Ghana. Yes. We, um, we put together in association with the uh, University in Lagon and Accra in Ghana an exhibition called Fabric of a Nation, which is actually yes. about the printed cloth mm -hmm. tradition rather than the woven cloth or yeah. the Adinkra tradition. Yeah. Obviously, you get imitations of both traditions in the printed cloth tradition. Mm -hmm. So there's imitation printed kente and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. But cloth is very, very, very important in, in Ghana um, and in Africa generally, I think. Yes. And um, I was going to show you, I promised when we met the other day that I'd bring you in a cloth from the other side of Africa. And this is the first... Uh, Elspeth knows this one very well. Probably some of uh, you also know this one, but when I went to Dar es Salaam for the first time and encouraged by Elspeth to study this tradition called Kanga, um, this was one of the, if not the first textile that I bought. And a lot of people had, had told me there are no textile traditions in East Africa, certainly no traditions like this lovely hand-woven uh, textile. So that first morning in Dar es Salaam's in the market, I was surrounded by thousands of women wearing these fabulous printed cloths called Ganga. And I bought this one because it was as far away from a certain idea of Africa and an idea of an African mm. textile, as you can imagine. As you printed in India, it looks like a Damien Hirst spot painting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what is it? <laughs> African about it. Yeah. 
And I went to my friend George in Gungula. I said, George, what does this mean? He said, you know nothing. I said, I know I know nothing, George. But what does it mean, Hujuikitu? It means in Kiswahili, you know nothing. George, who would wear such a thing? You know nothing. Well, the next day, driving to Bagamoyo, there was a lady wearing Hujuikitu. And George said, she is telling maybe her younger rivals you young people, you think you know everything, but you know nothing. She didn't have to say that, just read it in her cloth. Mm. <laughs> and you know, that's a tradition from another part of Africa. Yes. But I always remember standing in the kind of wood-panelled uh, uh, Hartwell room, it's called, at the British Museum, and trying to convince these rather crusty folks that I should be get some money to do field work. You know, and I showed them this, and they went, whoa, whoa. whoa. But finally, they realized that actually that Hujui Kitu is the way in. Because for me, I knew nothing as well yes. as the people this was directed to. And it's such a key, key element, not working, not just in Africa, but anywhere. Because yeah. if you know nothing, then you may begin to learn something. Yes. But if you come thinking you know everything, uh, uh. you'll never learn a thing. And I found that lesson in, in, in your work. It's very kind of welcoming, it's welcoming. But it does demand that you, I think you kind of maybe drop some of your preconceptions. Yes, because uh, there is new knowledge that is coming. And if we do not drop uh, most of the mainstream misconceptions in science and uh, 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 the truth of life, I don't think we can accept it. Um, it could be distinctively disturbing, mm. but it will do all as good. Because most of this knowledge comes from ancient traditions. That is the concept of consciousness, for example, comes from the East, India, and so on. Um, but we are rediscovering what many ancient mystics told us, proving them scientifically also. And this is what is happening, that as science and spirituality come together, we will know more. And now, coming back to the Kentic law, mm -hmm. this is a glorious textile or fabric. Uh, they used to have meanings. Even the designs have meanings. <coughs> we do not know them today. The master weavers have taken most of the wisdom of the Kinte designs with them. We know just a little. And To tell you the truth, it is also the Kentic Lord that inspired the microchron design, symbology, and concepts. Because the Kentic Lord is about glory, it's about royalty. And that is what we are. We are royalty, we are glorious beings. And we are cherished in the universe. And we have the possibility of expanding 
and knowledge and consciousness for all eternity. It is a never-ending, ever-happy, endless story. That is being human. And the cloth, I, I find in the Kente cloth, it's, it's a symbol of so many elements coming together. A little bit like the Adinkra cloth in some ways. The different colours, different warps and wefts, yeah. the patterns and so on. And we used to have silk in them, threads of gold. I remember I was telling uh, Chris that I can remember in my childhood. I don't rem uh, remember much of my childhood, but this stuck into my mind, experiencing a man who came once in a while to visit my parents mm. from Bumjere came he came right. where that the fair. traditional Kinti cloth is woven. Uh -huh. And this man was so tall, dark and elegant and he bound the cloth that he brought in a silk scalp mm. and balanced it elegantly on his head. So we knew when he was coming and we will stand above in the house and look out for him. And when he was coming, we'll say, Papa Kente is coming. Papa <laughs> Bonjure Kente is coming. And when he came, having discussed the quality and what the clothes meant, I had words like gold or silk, for example. Uh, the clothes were given to the young man uh, in the house. And they will spread it out. And that is what we waited for, we little kids. We sprang underneath the cloth and lay down and saw these wonderful colors. <coughs> so that we lay underneath the sky of design and color. It is an experience that I've never forgotten. And then we repeated the same experience when the cloth was pulled in and folded. I think this is shows how I had from a very tender age, come into contact with uh, 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 textiles and the Kinthi uh, cloth. Mm -hmm. Because, as you said, my mother was a major uh, dealer in, in, in fabrics and textiles. Mm. And she's still cloth. alive. She's still alive. Oh, she's okay. 98 years old. Wow. I didn't meet him, there was a guy in 99. Guy came from Gujarat in India, who's called Moani Midogo, Little Spectacles. And uh, he's sadly died now, maybe last year, I think it was. But uh, he was a man <coughs> steeped in textile. Yeah. In that, another tradition from another part of Africa, in a sense. But full of wisdom. 
And Kente started with a, a very small number of people, the Asantehini, the royal family, yes. and Kumasi. But now it's a global phenomenon. Yes. And um, you were talking about also this is very much the age of Africa, and Africa is going to show us the way. I'm kind of uh, biased in that way because <laughs> <There is, laughs> it's been showing there, me the there, way. There, there, is no, there is no need for embarrassment. <laughs> uh, firstly, it is the women who are, women who are going to lead. Mm -hmm. Most of the common leaders of the planet will be women because they are more in touch with the feminine, mm. more than us men. Mm -hmm. And I think Africa is going to play a major role and become a new age of abundance because the continent is going to awaken. It has slept for so long. It's time to awaken. And when the lion awakes, it will not roar war, it will roar peace. And that is what I'm waiting for. You see, something has happened, happening. Many are not aware of it. I believe that a spiritual awakening is taking place. And the accumulation of more knowledge is taking place. And I've seen signs of it. I've researched on children who are born with high intelligence. And most of them come from the black nation. And when I talk about the black nation, I mean those of the, of the darker hue, African and any other. It is happening. I think I showed you an example on the internet today. The boy with a very high IQ. All colors, but most of them are, 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 are black children. And these are the children who are going to change the world. Because they are going to use their high intelligence positively. I think so it is true, it is mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. But the whole African continent for me, it's such a global phenomenon. Mm. And it, it is a question, even me as a lighter colored person, you know, yeah. I've kind of absorbed, maybe through these Nicorette, I think, patches that I've it is, put on it is, it, it, the it, cloth. Is, it, it, it is true because... Some of that wisdom. It is, it is not just the color. Mm or the structure of your body, for example, that makes you feminine. It is what is within. Mm -hmm. And if sign, the signs of evolution has told us that we are all out of Africa, then and it, it makes sense that the elder brother will awaken us all. <laughs> And people are beginning to understand. Talk about Kente cloth, for example. I yeah. remember my friend Taslin Martin, who's another artist, he produces a wonderful piece called Kente Day Couch. Mm -hmm. And he uses uh, a kind of material that in the 1930s, a designer called Enid Marks 
Uh, it's called Moquette, and it was a type of material used to upholster London transport um, uh, buses and mm. uh, underground trains, the upholstery. And it was inspired by Kentikloff, by the oh. pattern of Kentikloff. So little did people know in the 1930s, the man on the Clapham omnibus was actually <laughs> sitting on something that... And it's taken this time and an artist to actually bring that out. And, and now people say, oh, this is... I never knew that. And that's extraordinary. I mean, it's just one example of that extraordinary kind of global phenomenon of Africa. And um, I feel that very strongly in your in your paintings. And I was very interested also, we talked about the microcron, but the way in which you've developed your own symbols um, and also borrowed symbols from crop circles, uh, forms in nature mm. like crystals yes. and so on. It's and yet, if you didn't know, you'd say, well, that, that's an Adinkra symbol as well. Yeah, of course. You and would have. You would have. Um, so it's as if it's an alphabet that is yes. embracing more and more yes, kind of I mean, symbols, in a sense. I mean, uh, that which is coming to happen is a global thing. And uh, um, we are all in it. We're going to all awaken. and. Talking about the crop circles, mm. how many people know about the crop circles? Oh my God! We, we know about them. How they're done, we don't know. How come you do not know? This is something wonderful happening right here in good old England, the south of England. Every summer, there are these. Wonderful pictograms. Well, some are made by human hands, mm -hmm. but there are some that are so complicated that manifest overnight. No one knows who did it. They are so geometrically precise. And they are done in these wheat fields. How is that possible? <laughs> we might be dealing with extra-dimensional intelligences or Mother Nature might be talk talking to us but how is it possible that nature could do something like this? I will rule that out. Mm. We are dealing with other intelligences. Look it up and you will marvel. Crop circles and these are some of the pictograms or symbols I use also in my work. The black and white paintings. Mm -hmm. Because they, 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 they talk to us about the times we are living in. And apart from the crop circles, I used to use uh, 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 a bit of sacred geometry, mm -hmm. which is so ancient supposed to be more older than Egypt. Thinking of things like the Nazca lines and the ley lines and is that the kind of thing you're Yeah, or the ley lines to be found here in England mm -hmm. around uh, from the uh, um, 
What's the name? What were the big the rocks? Over Atlantis. And no, no, yeah. those big rocks? Oh, Stonehenge, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot to discover here in England. And we are all in England at the moment. <laughs> or you are. Or I'm oh, lucky you. <laughs> You've got a smile on your face. Yes. And somebody asked me at that October gallery opening the other day, not with a smile on his face, <laughs> what has Africa brought to the contemporary art scene? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, what, you know, you can answer that thing, or what hasn't it brought to them? But then I thought I'd better answer, you know, and um, I was talking with Sam, that young lutist guy, very interesting guy. And I said, um, and you refer to this as well, humour. And by that I don't mean a belly laugh. I mean kind of humanity in mm. a sense. Humour in its broadest sense. But we were also talking about, talking about life and death and the macro and the micro, but there's a smile on our face. That doesn't mean we're taking it lightly in mm. a sense that humour is one of the great, great gifts. And I suppose if I'm pressed to say about uh, one thing in particular, that would be one thing. And another thing would be a lack of something, a lack of irony. Mm -hmm. You go to the Freeze Art Fair, which is coming up soon, you'll find a lot of our, our irony there. Yeah. To my, for my money, you don't find a lot of it in work by artists of African heritage. Because it's a kind of second-hand thing. Yeah. So those are the two things I told him. There are lots and lots of <laughs> So, um, humor. What do you think about humor? Uh, well, to humor, I will say something I told. <laughs> yeah. Chile, uh, a couple of days ago. I said. There is so much strife in the world that even results in wars. Um, it's terrible. But if you look at it from another perspective, from the spiritual perspective, it is like the cartoons we see on the telly. No one really gets hurt in the end anyway. You remember. <laughs> it is an experience that we immortal beings are having. And in the end, we don't really get hurt. Because we are indestructible. That is the only humor I can give you. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good to laugh. <laughs> It kind of reminded me a little bit of the original meaning of a dinkro, which is like saying goodbye to the dead. Goodbye. <coughs> yeah. mm -hmm. But also the the funerals in Ghana yes. about are very much a celebration of the living as well as yes. saying goodbye to the dead, aren't they? Yes, but actually, uh, the a dinkra is also used to welcome the new souls. 
I remember wearing a, a, a Dinkrat cloth to a, a, an outdooring. An outdooring is uh, welcoming a newborn child. So it is not only uh, a Dinkrat, it is also a Kwaba, welcome. Akwaba, right. Because uh, some, some of the Akan people use it. Mm -hmm. Let me go to uh, 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 outdoorings of uh, newborn children. Yeah, Akwaba, Karibu. Akwaba is welcome. Kiswahili. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I think, maybe um, we, are, we can go on talking, but I think it's probably time to ask people if they would like to ask questions of Orsan Koma. Um, or perhaps you. <laughs> so, um, Angelica, I think it's time for some questions. Yeah. yeah. So, if anybody has any questions, please feel free. We've got lots. <laughs> Hang on a sec. I better. Yeah. yeah it's just a couple, a couple of things about the images themselves that uh, <laughs> it would be nice to hear more about for, for me. One is that the, uh, although you talked about an age of femininity and uh, the the, uh, the, the anthropomorphic uh, figure uh, is always hypermasculine for me. Yeah. And, yeah. and has two forms. <laughs> oh, yeah. one, one when they're central, look like Senegalese wrestlers, you know. Yes. One, and then for, uh, that sort of figure in the centre, and the other, the other um, reminded me a little bit of uh, puzzles when I was a child, and mm -hmm. you had to see the invisible figure. Yes. You know that somewhere in this yes. Yes. fine yes. thing, certainly yes. you think, okay, that, that's the one that the outline, and this mm. one is these type. This type of figure is surrounded by symbols, and the other type of figure seems to be immersed or emergent from uh, uh, symbols, and so that in interested me, whether that, um, is that yourself, uh, who is moving in and out of uh, um, this symbolic vocabulary, mm -hmm. and then of the symbols themselves, I was intrigued by the role that symmetry uh, yeah. plays, or certain sorts of symmetry and alignment and circles and so forth, and is that, uh, is, is that in part to do with the, um, the cross forms that influenced you in the way in which the particular designs of those tend to have, or is that also uh, reflecting a kind of, you know, kind of a, a theory of the way in which scales of things uh, are similar? So that your microcon and macrocon are basically they're on different scales, but have similar symmetries and uh, alignments, and that's what holds them together. Yes. The notion that, yes. the, that the same pattern is replicated at different scales. Yes. Um, it's kind of two questions there, aren't there? Yeah, there two was questions. Two. Yeah. One was about the figure, and the other one was about what the figure is inhabiting. Yeah. Well, um, the figures are inhabiting reality and existence. We are immersed in reality and existence. We are part of it. We are it. Does that answer that first question? In a general way, but so why why the hypermasculine? Well, figure, given given that you well, had told us about. Well, okay, so I've <laughs> I've answered the first question. The yeah. second is, yeah. the hypermasculine is me. Yeah. 
And you can say I'm not that muscular, but I, I have made it him a little bit titanic because he represents us all. And one might say, ask why not then a female? Uh, I'm of the male gender, so I used my body, our bodies, to represent the human. It's okay. <laughs> and for me, I think when you think of the feminine yes. in there, yes, in the word very masculine body, yeah, has more impact. Uh, uh, if it was a weedy uh, guy yeah, like the, the, me with long hair. That beautiful contrast, you see, that takes <laughs> us back to our my, my, so my black and white paintings. You see the contrast. Yeah. So 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 muscular, but at the same time so feminine, tender, mm. and gentle. Is that not beautiful? The other question you were asking was about uh, symmetry. Yeah, is particularly because the images, the sometimes the figure is surrounded by the symbols, and sometimes the figure is immersed in them. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was wondering whether the, the, the symmetry is that, how do you place the figure? The symmetries are the same, whether the symbols appear to be within the figure or, the, or without it. No, well, I mean, the, the symbol or the microcon symbol in itself spreads out into infinity, right? It can go on and on, ever expanding. So it does this harmoniously. And there is symmetry in all that. There is balance in all that. Right. Caitlin, do you have one? Um, so my question is also about the um, age of the feminine we were talking about. Yeah. Uh, yesterday it was the People's Climate March, which was the biggest march um, to kind of take action about climate change okay. in the world. And a feeling that I got there was perhaps that this was an age that was characterized by a disregard for nature and for the earth. So I'm interested in the fact that you say this is an age when there is a love for those things, when perhaps in the course of history, people might look back at this point and think that was a time when humans really disregarded um, nature and the earth. Well, uh, the age has just begun. This is what I was trying to point out. And it is going to um, become more this awareness is becoming more and more. I mean, looking up uh, back a few decades or centuries, I think you can see that we've experienced lots of great wars. And the disregard of nature lies a bit back in our history. It started with the Industrial Revolution. And then we are now becoming aware that we do not want fossil fuels. We do not want atomic energy that is dangerously uh, destructive. And we've experienced uh, destructions through these uh, 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 um, energy sources. So it's something that has become, uh, be begun and it will continue, it will grow. 
it will grow until it reaches what is the word a, a, a kind of climax and there will be a great change does yeah. that answer your question yeah it's very hopeful <laughs> it is hopeful it is hopeful let us all hope because the future is bright for humanity those that want wars can have what was what's the story with the little pigs and a the wolf <laughs> they can huff and puff, and puff but they cannot blow the house down it's not going to happen oh yeah uh, yeah um, Kandinsky wrote about spirituality and art yeah. and so you're not the first probably won't be the last to go down yes. this trajectory but um, I just wondered because I can't share your optimism. Yes. I don't know where you get your optimism from. Yes. I wish I could share it. It sounds yeah. very sort of 60s hippie, age of Aquarius stuff. And, uh, well, we, we, we are still in the age of Aquarius. I am Aquarius, but... Oh, so, <laughs> but I, I just... I, so I, I find it really difficult. It's very ideal. Mm -hmm. I, I, find it, I, I find it very difficult mm -hmm. to um, digest, to be honest. And I was wondering whether... It's almost um, it's almost in revolt, and I think we're in very dark ages yes. for that. And I and I, I obviously come from Africa. I come from Uganda originally, yes. and I I can't share optimism about Africa being this okay. new new okay. country of because yes. obviously what you see in the news yes. and those of us who've been and lived in mm -hmm. Africa. Yes. So I don't know where you get your optimism. Is it just a total um, swipe at reality? Is it an escape, a flight of fantasy? Well, why not? <laughs> See, William Blake said, man is imagination. If you cannot imagine the positive, if you cannot imagine change, then it's not going to happen. It's all in the imagination. And then when we've imagined it, we take steps towards it. Gandhi said, be the change that you want to be. I am becoming what I want. So, if I sit here and talk about these things, I am experiencing it. I am it. And talking about the new age, it has just begun. You see, it is darkest before dawn, isn't it? And then when something that brings about a paradigm shift, we lay all that we do not want on the table and then we scrape it away. After we've laid it all down. You see, we are doing it all together, collectively. Oh, in our con yes, we are. Yes, what do you think reality is? You are part of reality. <laughs> you are part of it, you are in it. You are not out of it. So do something positively to bring about that change that we've all collectively waited for for so long. We yearn for it. But as we yearn for it, we must do something. And I see it in the October Gallery. Mm -hmm. Even if they are not aware of it, they are part of it. But they are aware of it. They are aware of what they are doing. 
So be optimistic and spread optimism. <laughs> Good. And you talk about potential. There's so much of our potential that's not. We have used. so much potential. And it's, it's a question of our. In science, there is so much potential. Because, you see, we, we are not aware of what is happening. We live in an age of deceit. All right? The age, the civilization that we are experiencing has been built upon blood and deceit. But we slowly do not want it anymore. You cannot imagine the things that have been kept away from you. The wondrous technologies that can change the world like that. We have it. We have technologies that can allow us to tap into infinite energy to make us self-realize a world of peace, abundance, and prosperity. It is all there. There is so much potential, as Chris is saying. We must tap into this potential. We must be aware of what is being hidden away from us. And I think from Caitlin's point of view, it's yeah. also be aware of those forces that are trying yes. for their own material gain often gain, to yes. prevent that potential, yeah. whether it be in creating anti-generic drugs that are, everybody can buy or whatever, or any some sort of uh, wind technology or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of forces happening. You know, that it is we who must that. awaken. Otherwise, no one is going to do it for us. You see, certain religious uh, sects, or certain, someone is coming to save us. No one is coming to save us from anything. We must save ourselves. Otherwise, we're going to wait and wait and wait. And no one will come. So you wait and you don't do nothing. So, leading on from that, I'm quite interested in your creative processes. So, um, if one's leading on to something, when you have a blank canvas, how do you go about creating your, your images? I wonder if you could share some of those kind of processes. For example, this begins as a ye yellow, is that right? The, a lot of these black and white. Well, uh, the drawing takes place first. First ah. comes the drawing, okay, so, so you and then after everything has been placed in the composition of the painting as I wanted, in drawing, it gets a coat of yellow. Mm. And then I paint out the symbols in red. After painting the symbols in red, I paint the background that is yellow over with a white paint, be it acrylic or oil, but in the moment I mostly use acrylics. Then after that, we now have red and white, apparently. What yellow shimmering through. I paint upon the black 
uh, the, the, the red or the black color. So that the black and white paintings have got stages of development in it. That's how the black and white paintings are done. But, but do you stay with the original composition, or are you? I stay with the original composition. That is, that that is laid for, uh, 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 first with the drawing. There is no change. So, uh, how does that relate to? Um, I mean, you've been very articulate in, in talking about the micro con. Yes. Um, so, kind of, what decisions do you make in in making the making the composition? Kind of the the, the decisive moments of. Actually, my creative process is very boring. <laughs> uh, it's not like action painting where anything or everything can change at any time. Because I, uh, it's like a conceptual thing. I have the concept, I do the drawing, and I bring it to an end. So the drawing and the painting is very important. It is the alpha and omega. So if I make a bad drawing, it's going to be a bad painting, so I have to erase it off. By the way, I draw with a pencil to uh, get about, uh, go about the lines and edges precisely. And you get this wonderful effect in at first glance, it looks like, oh, that's black and white. If you look closely, these other colors yes. come through. And I think yes. you were saying that the yellow, it obviously has that uh, particular kind of effect, but is there not a sort of symbolic um, element to that color as well that is the basis for the painting, in a sense? Or maybe not. <laughs> uh, it is, because um, for me in life, everything is precious. We are also precious. Even a grain of sand is precious. And gold denotes wealth, prosperity, and abundance. Yes. We also say gold is the precious element of the gods. Mm. That's why the Egyptians uh, used it a lot. Or the flesh of the gods. And the sun. I want to ask about if the microcron mm -hmm. symbol is the be or is, is everything. Yes. What is the need to repeat it within these? More, you know, what is the nature of what? What is the need to repeat it in these more recent works? If these are more recent works. Well, so if is it not enough that it is one symbol? So that I do not draw it anymore? No. I do not repeat it in a painting anymore. Well, why in one painting is it there in Oh, okay, okay, okay. In multiple. Where, where, you see, where in the where in the in the black and white 
it is only one singular, it's a singular symbol. Yeah, and now all of the other Adinkra and other symbols are being cast away, it seems. You mean in this painting yeah. in particular? In this, yes, because... So that one is just a single microphone. Yes, yes. this one you're talking yes. about. Yeah, now there are yes. many. Yes, because here I'm showing the microphone as an entity, like we have many uh, uh, galaxies in our universe. There is a multitude of them. And when you go beyond the galaxies to the outskirts of our universe, you see other universes. And then when you go from this dimension, you stand on the outskirts of, our uni uh, of these universes you see circular formations of universes which are in a similar globe like this. And then when you go further, it expands. It's an ever-expanding phenomenon of ultra-macro-cosmic entities, which for me, for me also shows the abundance of life in space outside our own universe and perhaps universes. I just want to depict the glorious abundance of ultra macroscopic entities in these color fields. I get excited when I sit down and meditate on it. It takes me out of my own universe. Have I answered your question? Yeah, it's the multiple, it's the multiverse. It is a multiverse. And it is not only that we have a multiverse, we have an infinite number of dimensions, mm -hmm. not 12, 13 or 14, mm -hmm. as some will want us believe. And you are an infinite being. Because you are perhaps everywhere, not perhaps, you are in all these multiple dimensions. So that infinity is a wondrous concept. It blows me away. So that's why I've done this, to show the infinity of existence. Anybody else got any questions? Yeah. Um, yes, thank you so much for talking a bit about the, um, you know, the sacred geometry of symbols. And, um, and you've also, also talked about how the process, uh, your creative process, begins with the, uh, the yellows and the reds and the blacks and the whites. But I'm wondering if you could also talk about, like, is there symbolic power in your move into the blues and reds and from these, these earlier paintings into your more recent ones? Is there a symbolic? Are, the, um, uh, are your color choices symbolically powerful as well? Yeah, they are, they are also symbols. The blue denotes space, depth. 
the infinity of space, and also water. Blue is the symbolic color of water, our seas. Red is the lifeblood that flows through us, passion. Um, white is purity. Green is the bountifulness of nature. And what other color? Yellow. Yellow, 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 like I said, is our glory. Gold in the sun. The sun, which also gives us life. One of my favorite kangas is um, in the central rectangle there was yes. nothing except deep blue and the slogan was the new millennium belongs to us yes so the deep blue yonder beautiful yeah deep blue aquarius aqua so you see these mystics could see into the future and they've said things that are coming to pass I believe in the age of Aquarius. We are still in it. It did not begin and end in the 60s and 70s. It continues. It was just a little beginning. It goes on. Any more questions, please? Mm. I'm wondering what precipitated really your leap from these sort of serial type works mm -hmm. that we, you did before, I think these which are much more economical in your choice of things, yes. the symbols have been reduced to the microcom, mm -hmm. you're really inviting us to meditate, yes. uh, and you're putting men, e.g. people, uh, but yourself. And which might probably get lost in time. Well, in time, the male figure might vanish at all in these paintings. Well, I'm accepting it as people, actually. People, yes. <laughs> uh, but what's precipitated this change? Because you've been working for these for decades, actually. Yeah. But this is very new work. So I'm interested in what, uh, what, 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 what motivated about this, it. if, you can, if you know. Uh, Didn't you say it was connected with? You said it was connected with Kinti. It was connected with Kinti, yes. But also, it started a long time ago in the early, uh, early as 2000, I first had this thought. Um, I wanted to know why we are so much afraid of death. <coughs> And I researched. And this is what I discovered that we never die, actually. That we are immortal beings having a human experience. So the question was then, where do we come from? 
We come from nowhere and everywhere. Because we come out of that infinite sea of consciousness, which is non-local, by the way. Non-local. Non you see, you remember the radiant particle. It is non-local. Yeah, it makes up all of us. So we are that. It depends on where we focus our consciousness, where we localize. Like we are here now. We've decided to be here to experience this dimension of limitation. That's why we are here today, sitting all here, communing, experiencing this moment. So this idea of where we came from got me very much interested in our science. And the space and entities beyond us in our galaxy and so on and so forth. But I could not find where we came from. Like I said, I discovered that we come from everywhere. And believe me, all those hells and heavens, we make them up. You see how powerful we are. Imagination, yes. Man is imagination. William Blake was totally right. So that God that we talk about and all seem to seek is within us. Because that God, that creator, is consciousness itself. We are particles of this consciousness, of this light. So I try to express that which is and all that is in these new paintings. That was what brought about it. It was from some ideas. 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 Yes. You see, we are all free to imagine and have ideas. You don't have to accept these ideas that I'm putting forward. It must resonate with you to, uh, for you to accept them. But I'll tell you a strange story. At the opening of the exhibition, a man came up to me and said, I'm totally surprised and happy. I said, why? You see, I had a near-fatal accident. And as I was being operated, I left my body, went out of our solar system, went out to the outskirts of our universe, and I saw these things you're talking about. <laughs> so the microchron is true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Stuff. Um, do you belong to a, a school of thought 
that that led you to this point of point, or is it just a uh, self self discovery? Well, uh, it's 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 a kind of self discovery through many years of research. But if I may say that I belong to a sect or a religion or a particular uh, uh, discipline, and I would say I belong to the religion or the discipline or sect, there <laughs> will be one for me of love. It is all about love. We, we are here to relate to each other in love. That is about it all. Because, you see, there is no judge sitting anywhere that some religions say that judge us. No. If, if consciousness is non-local, then we make ourselves a judge and we make ourselves the one being judged. And it does not interest you or infinite consciousness what you have achieved here on earth. What really interests you and them is how you related to each other, to your fellows, how much you loved. That's what it's all about. That's the most important thing. So I can say that I am what I am because love is my highest ambition. I would have asked another question, but that will, that will, <laughs> to another realm. Oh, yeah, please. If you want me to ask, you know. Please ask. Uh, well, uh, the, um, the issue I'm trying to uh, work out is the issue of, um, in, in the East, the core yes. karma. Yes. And the reincarnation. Yes. How does that relate to this whole thing? If, from, from your point of the universe, mm. You know, do we um, do we come back? Because you mentioned the aspect of life and death. So, how does it relate to you in that aspect? Well, I, I think is? I think if we are immortal beings and we never die, we have always the opportunity of coming back. Of coming back, and some of us have come into this dimension again and again and again. Why? To correct mistakes. Because this place is like a school. And there is karma. Of course there is karma. Because the love that you withhold is the pain that you carry. Lifetime after lifetime. That is reincarnation for you. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you too for your beautiful question. And on that point, I think maybe we could draw it to a close. Was a Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>